Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 1. You can find it on page 51 of the Bible. And we'll read through to chapter 20, verse 21. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answers back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down to Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. Whether people or animals, they shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled, trembled with violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. 
because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. <clears throat> you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your female or male servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that he, you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rodna, for reading. It's a, a long passage. It's quite something, of course. This is when God spoke directly to the people, but uh, usually he speaks through humans. So uh, why don't we pray that God would speak to us? Father, thank you that you are a speaking God. Thank you that you are the living God. And I pray that we would see more of you today. Please help me speak. Help all of us to listen and to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a little bit too high. Great, yeah, famous chapter, of course the Ten Commandments, very famous, but where I want to start today is uh, small print. I don't know if you know what I mean with small print, usually if you buy something in a supermarket, there's some small letters that give you 
some information, yeah, like uh, the ingredients, but often kind of warnings and conditions. Sometimes very funny. So this is a can of tuna. Okay, a can of tuna. And so there's a warning, this contains fish. Uh, because, you know, some people have a fish allergy, so you know, a can of tuna contains fish. Um, this is my favorite, this wonderful Superman pajama. And it has an actual warning. Wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. <laughs> I'm really glad they told me. <laughs> well, actually, it's quite disappointing, isn't it? You read this and you think, well, I don't want to buy it. It doesn't help me fly. I mean, why do they make it small? Well, either because it's boring or it might put you off, right? And uh, they want to hide it from you in a way. Uh, this great, uh, you know, coffee, just $2, great. Well, but only if you buy free meals and only Tuesday morning between 9 and 11 a.m. Oh, well, yeah, then I'm not interested. Uh, we've got the cheapest airfares. And then small print, well, but this doesn't include airport tax and you need to pay for every bag you check in. And, uh, it, it puts you off and suddenly, well, actually, I don't want this. Now, these are silly examples and yet when it comes to Christianity, some people sometimes feel like this. We, uh, EJ and I, led a Bible study group with Korean students back in London. And uh, someone brought a, uh, a friend from uh, the English course, uh, some Korean girls. She was really enthusiastic and she enjoyed being with our group, enjoyed studying the Bible. You want to be a Christian? Yeah, she wanted to be a Christian. That's, that's great, very hungry it seemed. Until she started going out with her colleague who was not a Christian. And, and when we told her, well, actually, God says that's wrong and it, it's not helpful. And then, yeah, she didn't like that. And so she, well, she handed it back in. Actually, I don't want to be a Christian then. I mean, she would, wouldn't come anymore, those kind of things. And she was put off. She uh, well, was partly our fault. Maybe we hadn't discipled her enough. But, yeah, she, she was put off. Oh, actually, I didn't know that was involved. I guess we struggle with that. And we say the gospel, you know, Jesus came and died and he did everything for you to have a relationship with God. And God loves you no matter what you do. And that's what we say. Yeah, but becoming a Christian, actually it involves uh, obeying. And some people will feel caught out. I mean, it puts people off. When I was looking into Christianity, I thought it was true, but I just didn't want to become a Christian because I didn't want to stop drinking and lying and those kind of things. It was very, it puts people off, we know. And so this is something we, we, we struggle with, right? If you ask yourself, why, why should I obey? I'm a Christian, why should I obey? Why should I, well, love God and my neighbor? And that is what we'll get to in this passage. Maybe there's a certain sin you struggle with and you would wish you didn't have to. Actually, I hope this will really speak to us in so many ways to get our, our view of, of God clear. Because this is, yeah, the people of Israel, they come out of Egypt. God has rescued them. And as we heard last week, this is them becoming God's people. And then, yeah, what does it mean to be God's people? The, the official thing is happening here. Huh? Um, this chapter 19 to 24 is where God makes a covenant with them. They become his people. But what does that involve? Let's see. First of all, well, it's certainly being God's people involves a privileged relationship. God is, uh, is making a covenant, like a marriage. We, uh, 
Let's go back to chapter 19. If you've closed your Bibles, they, they come to Mount Sinai, 19 verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And he is making an offer to them. You, you will be my, my special p- possession. Uh, it's uh, like a, a jewel in a king's crown that you see here. The king has this beautiful crown and in it this special jewel, something like that. Something very, very precious. And he says, that's going to be you. And you're going to be a kingdom of priests. Not just towards the world. Actually, priests can come to God. They can come. They have a relationship with him. They, they have access to him. They can come to his presence. Uh, a holy nation set apart for, for him. Uh, it's a, a very privileged relationship. And yeah, it's, uh, what happens then, Israel accepts it, right? Verse 8, the people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. And then it, it's really like a, well, a love story. Uh, the, the bride meets the groom. And then in chapter 24, there's the, the formal vows and the ceremony. And they celebrate with a meal. Uh, I don't know, Chinese weddings always a big meal. Uh, right? uh, we, we'll look at it more when we get to chapter 24. But a privileged relationship. And, and this should be so exciting. Right? You read through the Bible, uh, that's how it started. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden walking with God. They were so privileged. Then they sinned, they got kicked out, and God promises to Abraham later, look, your descendants are going to be my people, a new beginning, as it's meant to be, and here it is. And that is God's plan for for us too. He didn't just, he saw you in your misery and he, he rescued you for kind of not being miserable or for not going to hell. God's plan is for us to have a relationship with him, to be his, his special treasured people. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. And again, we'll think about it more, especially in two weeks' time. But, as you've heard, this privileged relationship involves obedience. And God says that in verse 5. don't know if you noticed it. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possessions. If you obey me fully, not just uh, if you're not too bad, (laughs) if you obey me fully. And and they have this incredible meeting where, where God comes down on Mount Sinai and yeah, lots of rules, prepare this and wash that and, and don't touch or you'll die. And then when God speaks, well, the Ten Commandments, right? Commandments. Very obvious that it involves obedience. And when the people are scared, in verse, uh, at the end of chapter 20, and Moses says, well, God, this, this, so to keep you from sinning. It's very obvious. God wants them to obey, to not sin. Very clear. And that's a significant part of being God's people. Uh, love the Lord your God. What does it mean to love God? Well, to obey commandments. 
Jesus says the same thing. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Uh, John 14. Now, they're not arbitrary rules. As we've seen in the children's talk, it's about loving God. Right? God says about, talks about loving him, having him at the center of life. That's why so many commandments are about him. It's about uh, uh, yeah, relating to him. And remember, this is a context of, of grace. Yeah, it's not a day we're in Egypt and God says, well, if you do all this, then I'll consider getting you out. God has already brought them out. Yeah, that is uh, even in the Ten Commandments. How does it start? Well, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And if you've seen what these people are like, it's amazing that God wants a relationship with these people. There is a lot of grace here. Uh, and yet, God makes it very clear there's obedience and, and, and love for God involved. And that is not small print because, well, next week, three chapters of commandments, uh, the rest of Exodus, a lot of it, uh, all of Leviticus, half of Numbers, all of Deuteronomy. It's, it's very big print, right? That's why they call these chapters the law to some extent. And I, that is a new thing, actually. I mean, God didn't say to Abraham, you know, your descendants will be my people if they obey. Uh, he, God didn't make it too clear that, okay, when, I, when you, I'm going to rescue you, you'll be my people, but you need to obey. God puts this now on the table. Okay, you're here, but I'm going to teach you how to live as my people, and that involves obeying. Yeah, I'm, as some people say, it, the, the Lord is their personal savior, but the Lord also needs to be their, well, their Lord, right? He is the Lord. And that's what we need to think about. Next week is three chapters of commandments. We'll look more at the detail. But, but why should they obey? Why should they have God at the heart of their lives? You yeah, can think of all kinds of reasons. Of course, it's the witness to other people. We saw that last week. What will people think of God when they see you? Uh, you can think of thankfulness. All right? uh, Jesus has done so much for me. I want to thank him by obeying him. Of course, there are good reasons. Uh, they are good rules. I mean, even if you're here, you're a visitor, you'd agree with no murder, no adultery, no stealing. I'm sure you'd agree. These are good things. But what is the reason? And it's not just a relationship. I mean, there's a relational thing there as well, right? If God is their God, they should love him. If you have a relationship with someone, you love them and you do things for them. And to give a silly example, I, I don't know, something you don't know about me, my favorite music is techno music. And it, it will shock some people. <laughs> Actually, I, I love that. And for some inexplicable reason, EJ hates it, my wife. <laughs> and so, of course, when we, uh, eh, when we got married, I, I didn't play that much at home. I didn't play it at all. <laughs> and at some point, we needed some money. I just sold my 150 CDs. Right? You know, that's just out of love for her. Now, of course, if you love someone, a person, you will adapt to that person. And of course, if you love God, you will adapt to him. But it's much more than that. And I would say, sorry, I have not been very good at subpoints today. I've called this because that is reality. Why is obeying God so at the heart of things? Well, that is reality. The reality of of who God is. 
of who we are, of, of what the world is. God is just the, 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 the deepest reality there is. You think this world is real. This world didn't exist apart from God. God is more real than this world. It's tied to who God is. That is why we did 19 and 20 together. Usually we read 19 and we look at God on Mount Sinai and we do chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. But it's one thing. It is when God comes down that he gives the 20, the, yeah, chapter 20. And these people, as we said last week, they don't know God. And they need to know who he really is. Who really is this God they will have a relationship with? And they had a wrong view of God. We often do that. And we think of God as a, as a genie. He's this, uh, this God who shows up when we pray and does things for us. Uh, he is this kind grandfather in the sky who showers us with gifts and blessings. He's this, uh, for some people, he's this friend and uh, he holds me in his arms and, you know, I just want to be with you. There is here such a great revelation of God in that chapter 19. And so, so real and vivid with fire and smoke and noise and trembling and God is just so real. I mean... Compare this with a Buddhist temple. It's all quiet, statue. This is the, the real God in chapter 19. And the, yeah, and we, we've mentioned it a few times in the service, but it tells them that, look, God is, God is holy. God is set apart. He, he's different. And that's what holy means. Holy means set apart. It doesn't just mean without sin. But it's part of it, isn't it? But they, they come and meet God, but this vision, it, 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 this experience, it shows how, how separate he is from them, right? I mean, God comes and they need three days' notice to prepare. God is so different from them. They need to wash their clothes. Uh, no bodily fluids. Uh, when they come to the mountain, they're not even allowed to touch it. Uh, and if they do, they will die. They need to be, those people need to be shot or stoned. Uh, and even God comes there, but he is in the darkness on top, and they are at the bottom. They are, there is such a, a gulf, such a separation between them and God and the people. They feel that, whoa, uh, they, they're afraid, they tremble. You know, don't let God speak to us. Now, how are they, what is this separation? And some of it must be mostly sin, right? They are sinful. That's why they need to wash their clothes and stuff. Not that that gets rid of sin, but it tells them you're not clean. And God is pure. And they are sinful. But, but, but that is not just enough. Why is sin so serious? Is it so bad that we are sinners? That if you touch the mountain, you need to be stoned? Well, we need to see that God is is so different from us. God is separate because he's our, our, our Lord and creator. It's, a, it's an important topic. I mean, what happens when God comes down? Let's read 16 to 19 again from chapter 19. Uh, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. 
because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. This is... Whole creation is kind of trembling and, 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 and creaking when, when God comes down, isn't it? The, the whole mountain, it, it can't bear. God is not just kind of a person that they tremble before. The, the whole creation trembles. God is so great, so big. He, he is the Lord. He is absolute. He is independent. He is infinite. He, he is not just your mate. God is is so great, and they, even here he's holding back, but they need to see, look, this is the God you will relate to. I mean, they will re- relate to him. That's the amazing thing. This God, they will be his, his crown jewel, his treasured possession. This is the God they, who they will live with, who will come and live with them in a tent. That's the amazing thing. That It's this huge, incredible God who, yeah, who is bigger than the earth in a way, is coming down. But God is so different. That's what makes him separate, right? He, he is not just a creature. He, he is God. And, and if you meet someone who is just greater and different from you, you will behave differently. Imagine, uh, I don't know, this is Hong Kong. I don't like the heat. I, I don't like Sundays because I need to wear this kind of stuff. I prefer just a T-shirt, shorts, sandals. Uh, Monday to Saturday, that's what you see me wear. But uh, if I go and meet the queen, I will wear a suit. Think about that. Why would you wear a suit when you meet the queen? Is it because you're so thankful for the invitation and so you dress up? No, isn't it? Is it because you want your friends to notice how blessed you are? No. Is it because, well, she gets very angry if you don't? No, that's not it. She's a really lovely woman. But she is different from you, right? She is the queen. She, there's a gulf between you and her, which means you, are, you don't tell her, well, you know, she can wear sandals if she wants. No, you change for her because she is greater than you. She is different from you. And, and this is just a queen. And, you know, in some ways, she's our sister. She's a wonderful Christian woman. But she's different. And how much more is God different, right? If this, that is why sin is serious. It's because God is just so much greater than we think and know. If God is really the Lord, then, the, yeah, then, then you have to change. You have to live his way. He should be uh, the one who tells you what to do. Right? He, he is the Lord. And he should be at the heart of our lives. That is what I think it means to fear God. Hey, we, we don't like the word fear. Uh, and people are afraid. And God, Moses says in 20, look, don't be afraid. It's not about being afraid of God. God is not a bully who is showing this and saying, look, I'm bigger and stronger, so you better do what I say. But fearing God means that you just recognize who he is. That he is the Lord. He is greater than you. He is above you. And that is not just just God. 
Uh, and and then he, because he's the creator, this is about all of life. Your whole life should be centered on him because, look, other people are made by God. And, I mean, if I'm on my own, I can listen to techno music. That's fine because EJ isn't there. Yeah? EJ is just, in some sense, only a part of my life. God is not just a, a part of your life that when you relate to God, you will do things. But my neighbor is different because God made your neighbor. And the children's talk, in some ways, was, was wrong. There is loving God and loving your neighbor, but God made your neighbor, and God made you. So all these Ten Commandments are, in a way, about loving God. If God made your neighbor, then you need to treat your neighbor well, because you're not loving God if you don't treat your neighbor well. And all of your life is made by God, and therefore all of your life should be with him at the center. Even... Uh, yeah, the tenth commandment, you shall not covet. I mean, jealousy. Jealousy is just really in your heart. And I mean, no country has laws against jealousy. They don't care what's in your heart. That's your own personal private space, right? Your heart. As long as you don't do things, but your heart. God has laws about your heart. Because even your heart, even deep inside, that belongs to God. He is the Lord. He is the creator. And that is reality. That is the world we live in. That is how the world was made. And again, this is, you know, and this is as it was in the Garden of Eden. What was it like in the Garden of Eden? We say everything was perfect. Everything was great. There was a commandment there, right? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Something can be perfect, and, and yet there's commands. And why was it perfect? Because everything was God's way. Everything there was obeyed God. Everything was exactly as God made it, as God planned it, and that's why it was perfect. And it, God is at the, at the heart of it. And, and that is what's wrong with this world. I mean, there's so much wrong with this world. That's why we pray, and we see the Rohingyas, and we see disasters, and in our church, there, 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 there's people and babies dying. That's all wrong with the world. But that's not the real... They're, they're just symptoms. What is the real thing that's wrong with the world? Is that the world has rejected God. That there's seven billion people who yeah, ignore their creator. Ignore the Lord. That is what's really wrong with the world. And all the rest comes out of that. Yeah, I, I hope you see yeah, that this is just reality. Who you are, who God is, what the world is. God is God and he made everything. And so it makes sense that we live with him as God. Right? It, it's not some annoying rules. This is just reality. You are living, if you're living God's way, you're living according to what is real. According to who you are, who you're meant to be. And that is for everyone. Even if you're here, you're not a Christian, maybe... Uh, God made you God made this world you're living in his world uh, as someone made by him to know him to love him to enjoy him and, and then it's wrong to ignore him now what does that look like what does it look like if we get this if we want this now to some extent yeah obeying is very clear yeah? <laughs> here's ten commandments you can keep them We'll think about them in the children's talks the coming weeks, I think. 
Um, and next week is real practical. But I think this chapter is about motivation, right? Do you get who God is? Is your fundamental orientation that, okay, I'm going to live God's way because God is God and I'm, I'm his, his person. I belong to him. That he is fundamental to your decisions. And that's a good question. How do you decide the right thing to do? Uh, there's a temptation to lie. What things go through your mind? Well, if you're like me, you get all kinds of things going through your mind. You know, what, what, what's the benefit if I lie? What, is the, uh, what if I tell the truth? What will happen? What if I'm found out? What will people think of me? What will it do to, you know? Uh, what will be the consequences? They're often the things we think about. But actually, they're all secondary things. The big thing is, what does God say? Right? Because he should be at the center of our life. Think of other things. Um, divorce. Now we Christians often say divorce is wrong. And why do we say that? Well, well, because it damages the children. Which is true. Because if you leave your spouse, you're, you're betraying her. That's true. All those things make divorce wrong. Yeah. But it's not the heart of it. Right? I mean, some couples don't have children. In that case, is it okay to divorce? Some couples, you know, mutual agreement. They just don't love each other. Does it make it okay? Well, no, right? Because God has things to say about marriage. And what he says comes first. And all those consequences, they're secondary. God should be the first thing you think about. After all, we, we, we don't know the consequences, right? We can't know the future. Is God at the heart of how we decide? Is the God at the heart of how we live? That is just right, because he, he is God. And, you know, he knows everything, and it's the best way, because he made the world. So all, all those things are true. Yeah? Do we have a right view of God? That he is, he is it. He is the Lord. And that is what the Israelites needed. Uh, they, okay, you're going to be God's people. You're gonna, it's a new beginning. God is making things right. But what does that look like? Well, God at the center of your life. Uh, think about it this week. When you have some opportunity, when there's a chan- something that you need to think about and decide, what comes first? Where does God come in your priorities? And I, I hope you want that. Though I'm, I'm very aware, okay, yeah, we, we want this, but we, we struggle. Yeah. Of course, this is hard to do. It's not natural. That's why God gave them so many rules. It does, it's not natural. Because we, we are sinners. Uh, as I say this, please remember, it's not how you become one of God's people. Yeah. They were saved by grace out of Egypt. We are saved by grace, by, by, by Jesus dying for our sins. That is how we have a relationship with God, not because we're good enough. If you're here as a visitor, you think that it's not about us being good enough. Jesus did it all. And, and it's even how we stay a Christian. Because in Jesus, there is unlimited forgiveness. It's just how we live in accordance with reality. 
And, and, and God doesn't even leave us to just obey. God is changing us. And the amazing thing is how, what would make them obey? Knowing God better. And it's the same for us. The more we see God, the more we know him. That is what will make us change. And God doesn't stay at a distance. The same God who shakes the mountains comes and lives in our hearts when we believe and and makes us know Jesus at such a deep level that we change. 2 Corinthians 3.18, famous verse. We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image by the Spirit, isn't it? We, We are changed by knowing God better. That is what we need. Yeah, we try and obey. Don't just disobey and say, well, I don't know God well enough yet. But if you want to change, seeing God who he is, and that is grace that God reveals him. So actually, you know, don't just obey. Come on the church weekend away. Spiritual disciplines. How to grow in your relationship with God. That is a wonderful thing to do. Yes, we If you know God, you'll obey him. But so, let's get to know him better. And that is what will be it. Well, why don't we uh, sing about that as the music team comes up? We're going to sing a great song, Be Thou My Vision. Why is that such a great song? It is about, of course, living God's way. Someone who wants, you know, I want you to be first in my heart. But how does that come? It comes from the relationship, from knowing him. So let's stand and sing.